Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. So this is my first time out in the wild, y'all. This is my first time. This is my first time. Since March the 13th, March the 13th, and, and I, man, give it up for the worship team, the praise team. I almost didn't make it up here, man. I was about to lay on the floor and uh, prostrate. <laughs> because, you know, when, when y'all was singing, you know, he knows my name. It, it's so, you, I, this is what I do. This is what I do for a living. And in, in the course of about two days, I lost $20,000 like Two emails and a phone call, just like that. And there was a moment in that when it was when the co you know when it first started, that I really you know was nervous. I was concerned. I was like, man, God, what it what's going to happen? What, what what is this? And I, and I had mixed emotions. Now I must confess. I must confess. When it first started, I didn't think it was for black people. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm a, <laughs> I must confess this. I didn't. I said, we got enough to deal with already. We not <laughs> and the coronavirus, this is not for us. This is, I, I, I'm serious. I, I was like, man, that's not, because, you know, I was looking at where it was at. I said, okay, it was in China. Then it kind of made it way over Italy. I was like, nah, we good. We good. But then what happened, the NBA player, Rudy Gobert, he, he was first one of color that was, you know, prominently named. And I, when I saw that, I was like, he, he still ain't. You know, he's a French guy. He's not black, you know. He, he, he you know, I, I still didn't put much weight on it, you know. Then Idris Elba got it. I said, oh, get in the house. Everybody, get, get in here. This is, this is not good. This is for everybody. And I've learned so much in this time of quarantine. And I, I live in South Carolina, so y'all may hear that we are leading the nation in a, I'm probably not leading, we're probably like third, because I think Florida is out of control. I don't know what Florida doing. But South Carolina has some interesting, and, and what I've noticed too in this time, I've noticed that uh, my family members, you, you know, you got some strange family members, but it's like this pandemic brings the strangeness out a little bit more. My uncle called me, he was like, hey man, how y'all doing with the Wallona virus? I said, uh, he said, man, that Wallona virus is bad, man. I said, that's not the name of it, sir. That's a... That's the lady from Good Times, so that's not, <laughs> that's not what that is. And it was just like, he's gonna have these conversations. I got this one particular family member. She's sending updates like she worked for the CDC. I'm like, stop. Stop sending me all these updates. I got the same computer. I got the same internet. And she's not telling you no new information. Like, tell me something I don't know. She's telling me the same stuff I just saw online. Got a family, man. Y'all please give a round of applause for my wife, children, the kids. My family, uh, I got a nine-year-old son, and I, I was kind of embarrassed by when it first started, they, they told the kids, you know, go home. We homeschooling now. Son went up to my wife and told my wife that uh, over this quarantine, he was going to see how long he could go without taking a shower. I'm like, boy, what kind of goals are those that you have? 
And my son ain't the type of boy that needs not to take a shower. You, you, you got to take showers, huh? My son wake up like he was in a karate dojo in the morning. Like, why you smell like this first thing in the morning, boy? What? And he told me he want to break a record. I'm like, no, son, you get your behind in there and shower. And my son has been very frustrating to my wife because, you know, we homeschooling. We're not homeschool family. We didn't homeschool before this. So my wife, she was the lead teacher. I was helping, but I got fired. I got, I got, I got demoted. I was, uh, I'm over snacks and safety now. This is, <laughs> I, I had one lesson, but I guess it didn't go well. So she, she demoted me. And so the boy made her quit, though. She, she didn't stay long. My wife quit before spring break. So I think, I think the kids were out in like the middle of March. My wife threw her hands up at the beginning of April. She's like, I'm not doing this no more. I'm going to tell you what my son, he's a genius, but he's an evil genius. This is what he did. So my wife, you know, she on all these calls, Zoom call, conference calls. So my son, is, his workstation is right beside her. And they sent home these packets of work. My, my son in the fourth grade. And they sent home these Department of the Army packages. I, I don't know who these, how much coloring you need to be doing every day. They sent home these huge packets. So my son, my wife would sit my son down at the table. He would work on one problem. Then he would take a 15-minute break. And I'm talking about, you had to go find him type break. Like, where is he? So my wife got tired of doing this. She said, I'm quitting. Y'all, it's summertime. It's summertime. So... Now the kids are just up all hours of night. They're just up for no reason. And my son, he has a, a Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch. And I, I try to be like the stern one and say, hey, man, you can't play this all the time. You got to ask for permission to play. You just can't play the game. But what my son doesn't know is I really want to play the game. <laughs> all you got to do is ask me about one or two times. I, I want to play the game. But I, I got to be the dad. I got to. No, you know, and I, and I told him when the school was going, I said, you can't play during the week. You can't play during school. You can't play on school nights. Well, once the quarantine hit, are we really in school anymore? I don't think this is really school. And my son didn't know. All he had to do was ask me at 8 o'clock in the morning, Dad, you want to play the game? I'll be like, yeah, let's go play the game. We can play the game. I would love to play the game. But he's not that, he's not that courageous. My son didn't have that much courageousness. Now, what the quarantine has done, it's messed up my gaming opportunities because I got a daughter. My daughter's 13. She wasn't playing the game before the pandemic. It's just me and my son having a good time playing the game. Pandemic hits, my daughter, she got a lot of free time. She won't play the game. There's only two controllers, y'all. So somebody's not playing the game anymore. That would be dead. Dad's not playing, not playing the game anymore. A little, little frustrated by that. I was talking to my, my, my son the other day about just doing the right thing. You know, my son's always, he, 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 he want to be a superhero. That's his whole, his whole thing. I'm like, son, superheroes got to wash. You got to take a bath. You got to wash if you want to be a superhero. Uh, you got to make sure that you're doing your chores, your work. Because um, on the way over this, this morning, they asked, like, what do my son, you know, what do your kids want to be? I'm like, my son just want to play. That's all he want to do. He just want to play play, and I'm like, son, you cannot play. And I'm a little frustrated because my son loves football, big football fan, but there's no, there's no opportunity to play. Matter of fact, my son played flag football, I told y'all about when I came last time, and they went defeated. 
Yeah. That was a waste of money right there. They won no games. They won seven. They lost seven games in a row. This was terrible. Matter of fact, they, they, took, they tied one game. My son came home super excited, happy. I said, hey, man, what you so happy about? My son was like, Dad, coach said that whenever we tie, it's like both teams won. <laughs> no, son. <laughs> coach lied. The score was 0-0, zero, zero, son. You both lost. That's what <laughs> this is not good, man. So he can't go to football camps, can't play. And my son loves football. And I, I try to explain to him how different his childhood is compared to mine. Because I'm a, I'm a different dad than my dad. My dad was no nonsense, no games, played no games. My dad, you couldn't even cry when I was a kid. You, you could get hit by a Mack truck. My dad would be like, you better not cry. Matter of fact, me and my brother, we had this little technique that we would do. Anytime we would get angry and you wanted to cry, but you couldn't cry, you had to do the heavy breathing. And And the way that you not cry, you tilt your head back a little bit so the tears can fall back. That's how you control, that's how you control that rage. And so my dad, man, it was my dad's goal for both his sons to play in in the NFL. And as you can see, I failed my dad tremendously. I got cut from the middle school football team, and they wouldn't even have a cuts. They just told me, hey, man, you might want to try out for band, uh, the speech team or something, man, debate. So I had to play recreation football, peewee league. Play peewee league, went out. And the thing about it is I didn't want to play. You know, there's some things like me and my father, we had a difficult relationship. And, you know, children, they can either see something that their parent loves and they can gravitate to it, thinking they'll get love and affection from it, or they can just totally say, I don't want any parts of that. And that was my approach. I didn't want any parts of football. I didn't want to play football because my dad loved football so much. I didn't want to play at all. But my dad used to make us play football. So I remember the first year. He signed us up for the league. I went and played. Well, I played is a, I got a loose term, right? I didn't really play. I was on the team. Matter of fact, I had the cleanest uniform in the whole, whole league. I never, I never made it on the field. I never. And my father would always chastise me in the car. I'd be like, boy, why are you not getting on the field? What are you doing in practice? Were well, you not getting on the field? I was like, Dad, the other players are better. They're better than me. I'm not that good. So I played the first year, I was a seventh grade. So the eighth grade year, I came back. And I came back my eighth grade year like, okay, man, I, I think I'm going I'm to I'm try. Put some effort into it. And so I remember the first practice we had. After practice, coach told us that we were having a scrimmage the next day. He said, gentlemen, we're having a scrimmage, and everybody's going to get to play in the game. And I got excited. I was like, yes, I finally get to get in the game. So I went home. I told my dad. I said, hey, dad, we got a scrimmage tomorrow. Get to play in the game. So I came back the next day, excited, ready to play. Matter of fact, I didn't take my helmet off. I just stood on the sideline with my helmet on because I knew I was going in the game pretty quickly because I'm just my second year. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in early. So the way scrimmages work, they're not like regular games. You just, you know, one, one team gets seven, eight series, then they give it to the other team, they get seven, eight. 
So I'm standing on the sideline. I hadn't, hadn't gotten the game and watching everybody else go in the game. And I'm starting to get a little emotional. You know, I'm starting to feel that. I ain't want to cry, but I, I'm starting to feel that. <laughs> I feel it. It's coming up, right? And I, I go by the coach. I'm like, hey, hey, coach, I, I ain't been in the game. He's like, I got you a good one. I got you. So I'm standing over here. And I'm, you know, I can feel it. <laughs> and I knew the scrimmage was almost over because it started getting dark. And other teams started going home, right? I still hadn't been in the game. So coach finally yells out, good one, come in the game. Y'all, by this time, I'm infuriated. I mean, I, I've never been this angry in my life. So I go on the line of scrimmage. I line up. And I'm on the balls of my feet, and I'm looking at this little boy in front of me, and I'm like, <laughs> y'all, as soon as he hiked the ball, I was in the backfield. I hit the quarterback, I jumped up, ran back to the line of scrimmage, and did it again. <laughs> now, he terrified. So I'm like, I, I'm just angry. I don't know what to do with this anger. They hiked the ball again. <laughs> Boom. Two sacks, two plays. Next play, I'm not even standing still. I'm moving side to side. <laughs> These little boys terrified right now. And it's like the fourth string by this time. I'm not even up against anybody. They just got just kids out. They don't know these kids. They get people off the sideline. I'm, <laughs> he hand the ball off. I, I tackled the running back in, in the backfield. Three plays, three losses. Scrimmage is over. I'm feeling good about myself. <laughs> Everybody high-fiving me. I hear my dad tell me, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. He yelling at the scrimmage. Coach gets us all in a circle. He said, good scrimmage, guys. He said, guys, we got our first game of the season tomorrow. Now, my coach looked at me, and he did something. Probably made the worst coaching decision he ever made in his life. He looked at me, and he said, Goodwin, you are starting tomorrow. And I'm like, hey, coach, uh, I'm just angry right now. I'm not going to be angry tomorrow. Just I don't know how to bring this anger out with me. This is foreign anger right here. I'm not going to be angry like this. So I'm walking, you know, I walk away from the, from the, from the, from the practice. I'm like, what in the, I, I can't reproduce this tomorrow. This is not going to be good. So I'm thinking in my little eighth grade brain, how can I create this anger again? So this is what I came up with, y'all. I went and bought some atomic hot balls, some candies, those, those fireballs. I bought about five of them. About five of them. I brought them right for the game. I put them all in my mouth. Put them in my mouth. I went in the game. Win the game, got on the line of scrimmage. Like, Y'all, this little boy hit me so hard. I swallowed all five of those hot balls. It wasn't good. There was, it was no, I wasn't making any plays. I didn't know how to play football. I just was out there. I was just running around. It was bad. So I'm mad. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, I got to make a play. I'm out here. I got to do something. So but I'm noticing, I'm on defense. I'm noticing every time the other team gets the ball, there's a guy that's in the back. And when we stop him, he punched the ball to us. But nobody does anything to him. He just stands back there unencumbered. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know the rules. I don't play. I'm a bench warmer. 
I say, next time, I'm going to go and get a fumble. I'm going to go and make, get a turnover, right? This is eighth grade football. You can't rush the punter at this time. But I didn't know that. So the score is 6-7. Uh, we had a, an extra point. We had stopped them. It was the last play of the game. They were going to punt us. Game was going to be over. Not me. I'm about to, I'm about to go down in a glory right here, a, a blaze of glory right here. So I see the guy. I say, okay, as well, soon as he hiked that ball, I'm, I'm coming back there. So they hiked it, and I took off. <laughs> Boom. I hit the punter so hard, I saw stars. I jumped up, yeah, and I, you know, I grabbed the ball, yeah. But I saw the referee throw the flag at the periphery of my eye. I saw him toss the flag. I was like, oh, that can't, that can't be good. Right there, that can't be good. So that was a 15-yard penalty. They got the ball at like the five. They scored. They won the game. Won the game. All I remember is leaving the field, walking over to the sideline, and I can remember my coach running to meet me halfway. And he grabbed me. He didn't even say anything. He grabbed my face mask. And he was like, <laughs> That was the end of my football career right there. That was, <laughs> it, was it was over, y'all. It was. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I, this is, man, this is, this is so good. I, I'm so glad. That, you know, and I was thinking what Pastor was saying earlier, a merry heart does good like a medicine. But think about that. What does an unhealthy heart do? Because we, the merry heart does good like a medicine, but what if your heart is, is stone? What if your heart is angry? What if your heart is unforgiving? That's doing something negative to you. you you holding grudges to people that ain't even thinking about you. I've heard someone say it's like carrying around a dead man. You got all this weight. You got all this anxiety, all this stress, because you don't allow your heart to be merry. So allow your heart to be merry. You might not have a merry heart, but let allow it. Start having the openness, the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to smile today. I don't feel like smiling. I got on these tight shoes. <laughs> we in this pandemic. But I'm going to allow myself the possibility of being merry. You know, because I was, I was thinking about the social media stuff, man, with this pandemic. Y'all seen Mike Tyson, right? Since Mike Tyson's been training. That's a bad man. I wouldn't want to fight Mike Tyson. And they're showing these clips, right? They're showing the clips. And they're saying he's going to have, a, I think, an exhibition fight in September. But what they're not telling us, we're not thinking about, Mike got 53-year-old feet. You can't box with 53-year-old feet, man. They don't make no boxing shoes. Sketches ain't got no plantar fasciitis fives for you can. Because his body might be willing, but them feet, no. I got 40-year-old feet. I don't want to fight with 40-year-old feet. 53-year-old feet. Man, Mike going to be in the corner putting his feet in the, in the bucket with ice. Just, his dog's going to be howling. 53-year-old feet. I wouldn't even, if I was boxing Tyson, I'd run around for the first, first two rounds. Just, I just dodge him because his feet gonna start be like, hey man, we can't do this no more. We can't. We, we, he ain't got those marching from Selma to Montgomery feet. He don't have, he don't have civil rights feet. He has the we shall overcome feet. His feet, his feet has not seen adversity. 
He's not Marsh and Stacey Adams. <laughs> Those are not his feet. <laughs> He's not trained to go that long. I don't even know how I came up with that, y'all. I just... I don't want to see that. If this thing go past two rounds, Mike in trouble. That's all I'm trying to tell you. It's, it's trouble. Social distancing, this is a new thing. The days of, hey, y'all, just move forward. That day's over. Them days done. We're not saying that anymore. Now, Pastor, there's a group that I'm thinking about that has been affected by social distancing, and nobody's talking about this group. And it's cougars. Yeah. The cougars. Rawr. Y'all know the cougars, the older women. That prey on the younger men. That's what they're not gonna social distance. You can tell, I, you know, I'm 40. I don't know what happened, but I turned 40. It was like I was cougar bait. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know if it was the cologne. I, these older women have been very inappropriate. And you know they're not gonna be social distance because they don't even want to church hug you. They don't want to side to side, they chest to chest hug you. This woman, she hugged me in my church. And she held me for 14 Mississippis. I said, man. Ma'am, I am a married man. You, can, you cannot hold me for more than two Mississippis. You can't. And one of her legs wasn't on the ground. She had a foot up. I said, no, ma'am. Your feet need to be planted. Unmovable. Stenied. Your feet. She want me to dip her like that uh, World War II picture. Like, no, ma'am. We're not doing this, ma'am. <laughs> and another way you could identify cougars, I'm telling you, there's a lot of red flags. One of the ways you could tell, you could tell by their voice. Yeah, the lust sit right there on the top of their throat. You can, because they, they use this little term, they say, young man. Ah. How you doing, young man? Ah. It's a good looking bow tie, young man. Ah. It, it sit right there, you can hear it. It's, and they make that noise like they thirsty. Ah. I like them jokes, young man. <laughs> All right, let me get, let me get serious, y'all. Playing around. So I want to ask y'all a question. So if you were to call 911 100 times, how many times would you want somebody to answer the phone? 100 times, right? I ask that question all the time. Never has anybody yelled out, 85, <laughs> 73, 75. Nobody's yelled them numbers. It's 100% of the time. And so as I say that, what I would encourage you to do, because this is something that I've been dealing with, in this time of stress, anxiety, social unrest, I would like to encourage you to be present. To be present in the now. Where I found myself when this happened, I found myself with the head in the sand syndrome. I wanted to think about when this would be over. I want, you know, we can live in one of three places. We can live in the past, we can live in the future, or we can live in the present. And it's far more beneficial for us to live in the right now, especially in our faith. In our faith, because when this happened, I didn't lean into God. I, I started listening to all the news reports. I'm starting to listen to all the media outlets and the, the scientific experts and what people were saying. And I didn't want to listen to the Spirit of God. I didn't seek His face. The Bible says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. But you can't acknowledge Him unless you're present in the moment. 
You're not frustrated about, man, 2019 was so good. I wish, I wish, man. Oh, man, I can't wait till we get back to, what about right now? There are people that need us right now. There's a right now word that God has for you right now. There's a prayer that you need to pray right now that you can't get that from what happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future. And I'm, I'm challenged by this as much as anyone. I'm, I'm, not, I'm sharing what, what I'm, I'm dealing with. And I saw this with my, my career. God has been increasing my uh, popularity and my, I've been getting more notoriety. And so my schedule's been more full. I've been full. So I recently, before the pandemic hit, I had this, I had, a, I had a, like a week-long schedule where I had a Wednesday event, I had a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was just like week-long of things. And the Wednesday event was a midday luncheon that I was doing for the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was for area leaders, about 40 of them. And it was in South Georgia, which is about two hours from my house. So I was going to drive over do the event, then drive back to pick the kids up from carpool, all that. I just had this full schedule. But then I was thinking about, oh, yeah, I fly out Friday. I fly out Saturday. So I was looking at FCA, like coaches call uh, trap games. You know, you like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm winning. This, this is not going to be a big deal. I'm going to go in and get this win, keep it moving. But those trap games are the ga those games you lose because you're not focused. You're not present. You're not in that moment. You're looking at the next opportunity. You're looking at the next thing. But what are you missing right now? Missing an opportunity to develop a better relationship with your family. What are you missing right now? Opportunity to get these grudges resolved with people in your life. Get time with neighbors and individuals who you haven't seen in years. What are we missing in this moment? So here I am in this situation. I'm looking at this game, but I'm looking at the next things. I'm looking at the next thing. So I pull up to this event. South Georgia, I walk in, there's only one other African-American person in the room. This is South Georgia. I'm not talking about Wyoming. <laughs> I'm not talking about South Dakota, Montana. I'm in South Georgia. Where the black people at, babe? So I walk in this room, and I see that immediately, and I feel the tension. I feel like, oh, what's the comedian going to say? Like, I felt the... Oh, he gone. Man, and, and it was tight. And I was like, okay. But because I wasn't present, I decided not to address it. I decided to just bulldoze through the show. I just, man, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm going to do my set, and I'm going to go on about my business. So I, and the show was okay. It was fine. It was a B. You know, and so I thought about it. As soon as I get to the car, there's no one can contribute. Con con what am I trying to say? Critique. The word just left my mind. <laughs> no one can critique me harder than me. Like, you can say what you want to say. The way I come down on myself, it should be criminal. So I sit in the car, and I, as, soon, as soon as I get in the car, I say, man, what were you doing? Why did you choose not to be present? Why were you not in the moment? There was a situation right there. You had the ability to alleviate the tension. You had the ability to break the ice, and you chose not to. What were you doing? I wasn't present. I was looking at the next thing. What's next? What, what are, I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about the audience. There's somebody in here that needs something. Why can't you give it to them? Because you're not thinking about them. You're thinking about you. 
We got to stop thinking about us. It ain't about us. It's about what God has deposited inside of us for others. And so I sat there and I said, man, it wouldn't even have been that difficult to deal with. All I had to do was look at the woman and say, hey, ma'am, are these people holding you against your will? <laughs> Just wink your eye one time. and uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send some help. I'm going to send some help back. That's all I had to do. Be in the moment. And we're so distracted. We live in the distracting time. We walk around with our distractions in our hand. So I would invite you, and I would encourage you, and I wish that I could implore for you, implore upon you to, to be present in this time. I know it's frustrating. I know it's stressful. I know we want comfort. I know we want to get back to what was normal. But what is God telling us right now? What thing that he wants us, if we did today, it would alleviate some of the tension, alleviate some of the pressure. Because the danger of not being in present is being on autopilot. And God did not call us to be on autopilot. God has not called us to be on autopilot. And, I, and I'll leave this with you. Hebrews 12 and 2. If you're wondering how, Brother Goodwin, how can I be present? What's the best way for me to be able to focus? Hebrews 12 and 2, I would tell you to have an attitude of gratitude. Have an attitude of appreciation. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus knows a little bit about crisis. He knows about pandemics. He knows about dilemmas. But he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So I would encourage you today to be present to allow your heart to be merry, to look to Jesus. Don't look to Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, whatever, whatever flavor of news that you enjoy. Look to Jesus, who's the author and finisher. How has God positioned me to help others? Not to help Mike Goodwin, not to help me. So I thank y'all for this time, and I, and I encourage you as we move forward in these uncertain times, give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow, not the day before. Today, focus on the daily bread. What, God, what would you have for me to do today to be present and to be effective here in the earth? Man, thank y'all so much. I want to take this opportunity. Thank y'all. Hey guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. You can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.